books. He wrote the book of Luke. And the other book he wrote was? Acts. Very good. Acts. Do you know why he was a writer instead of a doctor after he met Jesus? Because, right, he met Jesus, right. Because Jesus put him out of business. Come on now, right? No need for a doctor when Jesus is around. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Dr. Luke gives us this record. Luke 24, verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen, right? Amen. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, angels, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. There's a whole sermon right there, but I got another <laughs> sermon, so we won't go to that sermon this morning. Remember how, how we told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And they, then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. Why weren't there twelve? Because Judas had done himself in, right? Okay. And the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. There's a whole sermon in that too, but I'm not going to go there. I assure you, I will not go there this morning or ever. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. My mama raised a tool, not a fool. Okay? <laughs> Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb and bending over. He saw strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself, what in the world happened? Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village, that is, two of the disciples who had been a part of the, the, the weekend event. They were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing them. And he asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they stood, there, they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here these days? In other words, man, there's been a lot going on the last three or four days. Where have you been? Do you, do you not know this? They were, Who are you? Why didn't you know what's going on? So he began to ask these <laughs> questions. And Jesus, to prod him along, I just love how Jesus works in our life, doesn't he? He says, what things? <laughs> just like Jesus was clueless, right? He didn't know anything was going on, but he just, what, what things? What things? And that's how Christ will interact with your life. Have you noticed that? You start whining and complaining about some things, and he goes, what, what things? Let's talk about that. He just brings up the obvious, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Now, the word Nazareth, whenever you see the word Jesus of Nazareth written in that phrase, it re, it's implying Jesus the healer. 
And so when you see that phrase, you wonder what it is. It's implying Jesus is the healer, and that's why they use that phrase. They thought he was a healer who went about doing good, healing people. They replied he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, what they were hoping for was a prosperity gospel, is, is what we would call it today. They had read the scriptures in the Old Testament where God was going to raise Israel back up and prosper Israel. And everybody would have plenty of milk and honey, right? And camels and sheep and whatever they wanted, they would have plenty of it. And so they were looking for a Messiah who was going to come and be their Santa Claus and, and deliver them whatever they wanted to have. And so that's what we're looking for. And so the... These two men were saying we were hoping he was going to come redeem Israel. What they were saying was we were hoping he was going to come restore our prosperity and get rid of all these Romans that are they're bothering us, right? But they missed the other scriptures, apparently. We're going to find that out in just a second. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Now, the thing about the third day is uh, in Jewish thought, the soul of a person or the spirit of a person hovered around that person for three days. And after three days, it left and went on to glory or to heaven or to the beyond. And so they felt like there was always a chance for someone to be revived, uh, to be brought back to life for three days. But after the third day, in their thinking, it was too late. And so they're saying it's just too late. He's not going to come back to life. He's, you know, this is not going to happen. And what's more, it's the third day since they, all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Now, there's a sermon right there, right, right? My wife amazes me every day. Amen? Amen. Husband, look at your wife and say, you amaze me every day. See, that's the best compliment you've had all week, isn't it? Can I get a witness in the house on that one? Ladies, I told you I'd make it up to you. There it is right now. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he's alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said. They, the women were right. But there's another sermon in there, but I won't go there either, okay? But they did not see. And he said to them, how foolish you are. This is Jesus. How f- this is a come to Jesus moment right here, right? It's a come to Jesus moment, right? He said, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them uh, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is Jesus talking about Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I like talking about Jesus. I enjoy talking about Jesus. I think I'm good at talking about Jesus. But listen, when Jesus talks about Jesus, it's on. And so when when you sit still long enough and let Jesus talk about himself, something's going to happen. And it did. Look what happened. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. And I'm going to go on, y'all. That's your house. Chill out. I'm going down the road here. He acts as if he was going further. And, you know, Jesus will do that to us sometimes. Right? We'll be walking along with him, having a conversation. He's instructing us. And, and then he's like, are you really getting this? Do you want more? I've just filled your cup up. Would you like two cups full or, or are you done? I, 
I've, I've been in places sometimes where the worship was so thick and heavy, I was just done. I had to walk out the door. I thought I was going to die. It was just so powerful, right? And when Jesus fills your cup up, it's like, I don't think I can hold anymore. And Jesus is like, well, I made you. I know you can hold a little bit more than that, even though you don't feel like it, right? But he wants to wander on and say, look, if you need to rest, if I've given you too much, then, then rest. It's okay. He acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he taught with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon. And then, he told, and then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the red. This is the first house church meeting, Jesus and these two guys. It's the first house church meeting, and it was over a meal. They weren't lined up in nice, neat rows like y'all are this morning. Y'all look pretty, like the Easter colors you're wearing. But they weren't lined up in nice, neat rows. They sat down and had a meal together. That was the first church after Jesus rose again. That's the first worship service. And the second one was when he met with all the rest of them, and that's the rest of the chapter here. Jesus called them out on two things. He called them out on their ignorance and their indifference. Why did they not recognize Jesus for who he was? Because of their ignorance and because of their indifference. Two things. Their ignorance had to do with what was in their head. Their indifference had to do with what was in their heart. Their ignorance was, Jesus said, don't you know the scriptures that talk about me? Haven't you studied that? They had been studying the scriptures about prosperity and everything's going to work out great and there's not going to be any suffering or sorrow or sadness in this world. That's that was the scriptures they were looking for. But Jesus said, no, you've got to take the whole Bible. You've got to take all the scriptures that prophesy about me, that talk about me. Put them into your matrix of understanding about me. Their ignorance was they didn't understand the prophecies. Now, as a good pastor, I want to make sure that you are not ignorant of the prophecies of Jesus. So I have right here in my hand a pamphlet. You know, I like giving these out. It's called 100 Prophecies Fulfilled by Jesus. Do you see that? So today, as a free gift, just because you're here, every family gets one of these. When you walk out the door, they're sitting under the cross on the table back there in the entryway. Take one and read all the prophecies, all 100 prophecies that are listed on this pamphlet about Jesus and the ones he's fulfilled. It's amazing. It's astonishing. It's astounding. There's at least 25 that talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. And actually what's going to happen to him on the cross. Fascinating study. So I don't want you to be ignorant of the prophecies of Jesus. And not be able to recognize him when he shows up and understand who he is. So that's a pamphlet that's free for you. All right. The second thing is indifference of the heart. Indifference of the heart. You see, Jesus Jesus is in the word. And that's the study of the word. The prophecies that I'm holding up here. But Jesus is the word. He's in the word, but he is the word. And their indifference of their heart was, I really don't want to get to know this God on a personal level. I just want somebody to come back and take me out of the misery that I'm in and prosper me. 
And Jesus says, no, I want to enter into your misery with you, and together we'll work our way out of it. It's not a Santa Claus who comes and says, oh, you broke your bike, here's another bike. It's okay, you broke your bike, let's work together and repair this bike together. Let me show you what we need to do to fix this bicycle. That's how Jesus enters into our life. See, Jesus just doesn't want to come and, and patch up something, right? He didn't want to come and patch up who we are. He wants to kill the old and give you something brand new. So you get a flat on your bicycle. You get a flat tire on your bicycle, right? Jesus says, now we can patch that and fill it back up with air if you want to, or I can just give you a new tire, right? And that's what salvation is. Salvation is you're beyond broke. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ died for you. And when you invite him into your life to be your Savior, he gives you a new spirit and a new heart. It says in Ezekiel, I'll give you a new spirit and a new heart. Brand new. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to buy it. It's brand new. I give it to you. Jesus gives us the brand new. He don't want to patch up the old sinful man that lives within us. He wants to give you a new man and a new spirit, a new heart. And that's beautiful. And that's what salvation is. The Holy Spirit comes in and gives you a new spirit. Amen? Amen. Their ignorance and their indifference kept them from seeing Jesus. You see, they saw him as prophet when actually he was the perfecter of their faith. They saw him as mortal, but actually he was Messiah, the one who was going to deliver them. They saw him as the son of Joseph when really he was the son of God. They saw him as a miracle worker when really he's the miracle maker. Amen? If you need a miracle, he'll make one. They saw him as rabbi, but he was really redeemer. They saw him as a companion, but he was the creator of the universe. They saw him as man, but he was Emmanuel, God with us. They saw him as a messenger, but he was actually a mediator of the new covenant. You see, the old covenant was, I was directly responsible to God for my actions, my sin, and my sinlessness. Everything I did, I was responsible to God for. And it didn't work out real well because I'm a sinner. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none good. No, not one, the scripture says. And so my covenant, my agreement, my arrangement with God was not working out real well in the Old Testament. Jesus came and said, I'm going to write a new covenant. I'm going to write a new agreement, a new arrangement, a new contract. And the contract is going to be between me and my father. And the new covenant is Jesus. The new covenant is the blood that he shed. He signed it with his blood and said, Dad, this is the new covenant between you and me. And the covenant is simply this. I'm going to die for their sins. And they're going to be mine. And I'm going to be in them. And they're going to be in me. And I'm going to maintain the covenant, Dad. You don't have to maintain any covenant. You don't have to keep any papers saying, uh, Jesus, I'm going to do this. Father, I'm going to do this. This is the Old Testament law. There's 613 of them. I'm going to live up to all. You, no. You trust in Jesus. And Jesus says, I've got this. I've got this. That, that should make us want to live a sinless life. Paul says, that we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid that we continue to sin that grace may abound. No, stop sinning, right? Just stop sinning. Live a holy life before God. Be holy, for I am holy, God said. You can be. There's an option. You can choose that. Our covenant, and that's what Easter celebrates, is the new covenant 
written in the blood of Christ for our sins. So Jesus maintains the relationship with the Father. We just simply enjoy Jesus. You see, they saw him as a messenger, but he was a mediator of the covenant. They saw him as a pal, but he was actually the prince of peace. They saw him as a teacher of truth when he really is the truth, the way and the life. They saw him as buried, but he wasn't buried. He was busy preparing a place for us that where he is, we may be also. So do not let your hearts be troubled for where I'm going. I've already prepared a place for you. He wasn't buried. He was busy. He was busy at work preparing the next place for us. You see, they saw him as dead, but he's what? He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. They didn't understand Jesus because of their ignorance or their indifference. And I want to challenge all of us this morning to not see Jesus with the natural eye, to see him with spiritual eyes. That he's more than a pal, that he's more than a companion, that he's more than a man and more than a messenger. He's all those things, yes, but he's so much more for us in our lives. You know, my takeaway from this is with Jesus in the store, the two guys walking on the road is Jesus likes walking with us down the roads of life. He likes walking down the wayward road. If we're going the wrong way, Jesus will walk with us for a little part of that way and say, hey, I think we're going the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a nice scenery down here, but I think we're going the wrong way. Jesus will walk with us a little ways on that wayward road. Now, he won't walk with us on the wicked road. On the wicked road, he'll go sit on the porch and wait for us to come to our senses, right? Because God's not going to walk where wickedness is. He's not going to be there. He's just going to sit and wait for us to come to our senses like the prodigal son did. The Bible says, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses and went back, and there was a father waiting for him on the porch. But he will walk with us down these roads. He'll walk with us down the wounded road. Are you wounded this morning? Are you hurt this morning? Did someone hurt you last year or 10 years ago? And you're still carrying that wound. And you haven't forgiven them or forgiven yourself or forgiven the circumstances. Are you still walking down that wounded road? I want you to know Jesus will walk with you. And he'll say to you, he said, what are, are you all talking about? Jim, what are you talking about? And he'll walk down that wounded road with you. Just like he did with these guys. He says, what are you talking about? And you start explaining it to him over and over again. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. And he'll go, well, yeah, let me, let me tell you how I see it. And then he'll enter into your life and say, I'm sorry, you were wounded. I know that hurt. I was there when it happened. You know, stuff happens in this world. It's life. And Jesus says, but I'm also here now. And I'm still walking down this wounded road with you. I really would like for you not to walk down this wounded road. Let me help you with this. Let me help you not walk down this wounded road again. Please let me help you. Jesus would beg us to please let us, please let him help us deal with the wounds in our life. Perhaps you're not walking down the wounded road. Perhaps you're walking down the worst road of your life right now. Jesus will walk down that worst road with you. You know that? He'll say, yeah, this is bad. This is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah, it could get a lot worse than it is now. This may be as worse as it's going to get. Let me enter that road with you. Jesus walks down the worthless road with us. If we've chosen a worthless path for our life, Jesus will walk down that road with us and say, uh, this is a worthless road. I'll walk with you a little bit further. Uh, this is a worthless road, but I will walk with you a little bit further. I've got a better road for you if you'll just follow me, if you'll just listen to me. 
Let's go somewhere else. This is not the right place. You see, Jesus wants us to walk down the wise road. Jesus wants us to walk down the wonderful road that he's prepared for us. And he's willing to walk down that road with us. And at the end of the road, when we follow Jesus, when we listen to Jesus, and when we invite him in, he sits down and has a meal with us. And then presents himself to us in a way that we've never seen before. You know, you can see Jesus in a thousand times a thousand different ways. You can see Jesus in a trillion ways. Now, that's my granddaughter's term, a trillion. That's a lot. It's a beautiful term, a trillion. You can see Jesus in a trillion ways. And every time you have fellowship meal with him, every time, listen, every time you have a fellowship meal and you've invited Jesus to the meal, you will see him differently. Whether it's in the Lord's Supper that we're going to take in just a little bit, meal or whether it's the meal around the table at your house or if you're out to eat it's just absolutely amazing you go out to eat and you say a prayer over your meal somebody's gonna say i saw you praying you must be christians right the waiter or the waitress is going to come and stand at the table and look and go and they'll stand there and hold their plate they won't try to shove it in front of you while you're praying right you have a chance to ask them is there anything i can pray for you about you'll see jesus show up in amazing places this past thursday night we had a youth group here had about, I don't know, 73 young people. It was packed. It was awesome. It was an amazing service. They had a foot washing service. It was just absolutely amazing. But when I walked in the door, there was already some buzz going on. The kids were here talking. And then the, the youth leaders were here working and serving, getting things set up. And I walked over to one of them and I said, I can already hear Jesus talking. Isn't that what I told you? I walked in and I could hear Jesus talking. There was no church going on. There wasn't singing. There wasn't preaching. The teenagers were just mingling around. But I could hear Jesus. Because the teenagers came hungry for Jesus Thursday night. And Jesus showed up and said, I'm I'm here. What what, what do y'all need? They came prepared for a meal. And Jesus said, I'm here. I'll eat with you. And your eyes will be opened and you will recognize me. And your heart will burn. Because you've encountered the living God. You see, he is Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner over us. He is Jehovah Ori. He is our light. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Amen. He is Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Salih. He is there with us. He is Jehovah Roy, our shepherd. He is Jehovah Uzi, our strength. He is all that and then some, and he wants to reveal all that to us at any given moment. So on your walk today, on your walk this week, look for Jesus. He's walking with you. And he's asked you a question. What are you talking about? Can I enter into this conversation? Because I will tell you the truth about this conversation, if you'll let me. Don't you love and hate truth tellers at the same time? <laughs> right? Those people in your life that will tell you the truth straight up. and you go, rah, 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 I didn't want to hear that. But you love them afterwards because they told you the truth. That's Jesus. Jesus wants to enter your conversation and say, yeah, that's how you saw it, and that's what happened, and that's, yeah, that, right, that's how you see it. Let me tell you the truth, because the truth will set you free, and you shall be free 
indeed. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this great day that we celebrate, the day that you rose from the dead on our behalf. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you that no matter what road we're walking down, you walk with us. And I thank you, Father, that even if we're on a wicked road, you wait for us on the front porch. What a beautiful picture. Thank you, Father. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Father, thank you for being a present father, for being in our lives, for speaking truth to us. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to know our Father better and better every day, more and more deeply every day. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher and our guide. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to come and have your way with us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us. Teach us. Instruct us, guide us, correct us, challenge us, comfort us, counsel us, direct us, protect us. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with us right now. Move in our hearts, stir our hearts that we may burn inside with the love of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, and pour out your love into our hearts that we may burn with the fire of Christ in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, forgive us for our unforgiveness. Heal us from unforgiveness. Heal us from bitterness. Heal us from indifference and ignorance about who you are. Set us on a new path, a new, a new road, a new way of thinking. And come, Lord Jesus, and have supper with us as we share the Lord's Supper. Come, Lord Jesus, and eat with us. Open our eyes to who you really are as we take the elements of the Lord's Supper. May we see you in a way like we've never seen you before. Come share this meal with us, Jesus. It's a meal that we prepared in your honor. And we do it for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.